0: I fell asleep at the table, passed out at the table, in the middle of the club as like ludicrous, is like pumping in the background.
1: No! Dickie, it's your mother. No, you never call me. I mean, I wonder if your finger broke
2: Just don't tell my mother. It's your mother. Mother.
3: Mother. No, you never call
2: me. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't. Don't tell, do tell, tell. Where the hell are you? You are never home.
1: Hello, my family. Welcome back to Don't Tell My Mother. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I am back in Los Angeles. Many of you know I spent a week taking care of my mother in Queens, and I am just so happy to be back in the comfort of my own closet. My neighbor's dog is barking in the background, if you can hear that. And we have a great episode for you. This guy is honestly one of my favorite people that we've had on the show. I'm talking about Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Jeffrey is an actor and a model. He starred in In the groundbreaking Lifetime series Unreal with Constant Zimmer, who we've had on the pod. And Constance is like, Jeffrey, get your tushy on the Don't Tell My Mother podcast. And so just like that, Jeffrey is here. Jeffrey is now starring in the new Disney Plus show, Doogie Kame Aloha which is uh, a reboot of, you know, one of my childhood favorites, Doogie Hauser. He plays a doctor and, you know, every human on Earth is now breaking their limbs just to be his patient because he's gorgeous and he's funny and he's adorable. He comes on to tell a drunken debauchery tale of New York City craziness and then his mother Carrie joins us from Alberta, Canada and it is intimate and beautiful and emotional and I get chills and we all tear up. Enjoy this gem of a human with a vodka and crayon. Here is me and Jeffrey Boyer
2: Chapman right after this. Just don't tell my mother. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com.
0: Hi, Nikki. What's
2: up? What's up? How are
0: you? <laughs> okay,
1: I feel like it's a Monday, but it's, it's a Tuesday, right? What is it?
0: What is I think today? it's Wednesday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
1: Okay, we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to take off my jacket.
0: Yeah, get comfortable, girl. All
1: right, here we go. I got free range arm movements now. Jeffrey, you look so cute. Do you usually wear stripes?
0: I don't have a ton of stripes in my wardrobe, but today they were calling to me.
1: I've seen you in stripes. Have you? Yeah.
0: That's funny, actually. I can think of, um, I mean, obviously our, our common connection is Constance Zimmer, and I have uh, I have a photo of Constance and I that I'm, that I'm thinking of, and that's, that's one, of the, the, one of the instances where I can remember myself wearing stripes. With, with good old CZ.
1: is you, you guys are Stripe friends?
0: We're Stripe friends. We're everything friends. I mean, we're like, we're soul siblings. That, that woman's my everything.
1: Jeffrey, you know I love her. You know I love her. And you guys met because you were both starring on the critically acclaimed Lifetime show, Unreal. That was your big break. Tell me about your character, Jay, that you played, because I heard that the character that we all saw and watched on that show was not at all what they had originally
0: written. Well, the original... Jay was like, uh, he was straight. He was like a womanizing hustler. I think he was very much based on, um, the creator of the show, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro. She actually worked as a field producer on the bachelor for years. Um, and I believe it was based on like one of the many sleazy male field producers who she worked with, who would sleep with his contestants, you know, all of the girls who would get kicked off, he would just like kind of take them under his wing and, and, and sleep with them. I wasn't necessarily super keen on playing a straight character because it's so important to me to you know, represent queerness in, in television and film. Uh, but I was okay. so obsessed with Marty Knoxon from the time that I was a kid. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was my favorite show of all time. Never missed an episode. I, like had it all recorded on VHS, like a whole collection in my mother's basement. Um, I loved yes. it so much, and I, and I always remember being very intentional, even as a child, pointing at the TV screen, seeing Marty Knoxon's name come up on the credits and saying, I'm going to work with you.
1: Marty was a producer on Buffy, but she was also a co-creator and producer of Unreal.
0: Yes. Long story short, I got cast. We shot the pilot in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, the show got picked up. They canned half the cast. Marty called me at home in Brooklyn Crazy. and said, we love you, but we love you better than the J that we had written on the page. So we're going to rewrite the character after you, starting with making him queer. And I just, it was my, it was my dream come true. For and so, you,
1: you manifested this.
0: I manifested it. I manifested it into reality. I created it. Um, I very much believe that.
1: And dude, speaking of you are now starring in the new Disney plus show Doogie Kame Aloha, which is a reboot of the iconic Doogie Hauser. I loved that show as a kid, and you're playing another out queer
0: character-hmm yeah how,
1: how are you manifesting this? this is like this is an actor's this is a queer performer's dream is to be able to play out people in the world.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's very much my intention. It's why I wanted to become an actor because I didn't Mm -hmm. have the privilege of turning on my TV and seeing myself reflected back at me in the same way that all my siblings did, all my white friends did. Um, So it's very much been my intention, but it's also, Mm -hmm. you know, just about timing and luck and preparation and saying yes to the right things, saying no to the right Uh things. And, you know, luckily for years, um, I was kind of balancing back and forth between the worlds of acting and modeling so that when I knew that times were going to be slow with acting because there were only so many queer characters being written and so many opportunities for me, I could fall back on modeling as a way to pay Mm -hmm. my bills. Um, You know, very much in the same way that when I first started modeling, I used like serving and bartending as a way to like fall back on that. I can totally see you as a server.
1: I can totally see this. I feel like you're a good server.
0: I was a really good story, and I started. I started when I was like 13 years old, so it's like it's very much in me.
1: Breaking child labor laws, but like whatever, I'm getting yeah, these tips. Yeah, I know, <laughs> no. dude.
0: That's so real.
1: All right, Jeffrey, let's rewind the tape. So you grew up in Alberta, Canada. I did. Adopted. I was. At 12 days old, is that true?
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: Did I just, a little, little research, a little Jeffrey research? <laughs> Tell me a little about the family who adopted you.
0: So my mom was white or is white uh, and my father is biracial like me. So his father is black and his mother was white, but he was raised entirely by his white family in Toronto. Um, So he didn't really have any reference or access to black culture whatsoever Uh himself. Uh, And then my parents split up when I was three years old. So I was raised by Carrie, my mom, and her white side of the family and would only spend like every second weekend with my father in Edmonton. And then on the biological side, there's like 15 of us, maybe more like my father just like spread that Rastafarian seed all across (laughs) the continent. For real, though, he was like born and raised in Jamaica and had a bunch of kids there with, with several different women and then went to Florida, had a bunch of kids there. A couple ended up in the UK somehow, and then he made his way up to Canada, had a bunch more kids up there. Me being one of them, I was the only one who was adopted. Everybody else was raised by, yeah, by their biological family in some capacity. Not all of them had like a super close relationship with him, but um, all of them knew him in some capacity. And then I was like the long lost child who everybody just kind of discovered like 10 years ago, which was bizarre.
1: Is he still alive?
0: (laughs) He actually just died last week. What? Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. I never met him.
1: You never met him?
0: No, I've met my biological mother, and she's wonderful.
1: Didn't you meet your biological mom when you were shooting? Unreal.
0: Oh my God! Yes, yes. Yeah. I, 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 it was an episode that Constant Zimmer was directing. Actually, when I got the email on twenty three and Me of all places.
1: I, I totally. I had a, I have a crazy twenty three and Me story. I imagine yeah. that with your dad, you have. A million of the, I, I mean, yeah, you must have a whole. It's so
0: bizarre. Well, okay. I found. I mean, I, I reached out and started looking for her about ten years before that, and I hired a private investigator. My stepmother worked for the government of Canada. Like we went through all the proper channels to try to find her, and there was no record of her. And then it wasn't until like ten years after that when I spat in a tube to get my DNA done, just like kind of on a whim, not yes. with the intention of finding her. And uh-huh. long story short, they they reached out to me and said, uh, you know, that we that we were a match, and it was I was literally on set filming a scene with. Uh, Brita Wool and I just went over to Video Village where I had my phone in between takes and I yes. saw that 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 she had contacted me and anyway, long story short, yes, I I met her a couple of months later and I brought my mom with me. I brought my mom Carrie with me. You um, brought
1: your you brought your adopted
0: adopted mom. Yeah, and it wasn't something that I that I that wasn't how it was planned. It was uh, I went home to Canada to. To visit, I knew that I was going to go meet my biological mom and then it was um, the day of, as we were about to drive, the hour and a half drive to go meet her, um, I went into my mom's room where she was getting ready and I just like sat down like a little boy and burst into tears and said, mom, will you come with me? And she came with me. And it was, it was, it was, wow. I mean, I haven't really thought about this moment in a long time, honestly. Uh, It was, it was really, really, it was, it was special beyond words. having the opportunity for these two women to meet, um, having the opportunity for me to, um, like pay loving gratitude and homage to these two incredible women who, without whom I wouldn't be here without, without one, I literally wouldn't be here. And without the other, I wouldn't be who I am. You wouldn't be where you the, are. Yeah. And not just like on a professional level. I mean, personally, my mother is, was the greatest emotional support system for me. Um, was, has been, always will be. She's the best.
1: And by the way, good on your mom for showing up. That's scary.
0: Mm-mm. I think that a lot of adoptive parents have um, resistance, and you know whether it's, I mean, fear for many different reasons, and boundaries yeah. for many different reasons. Of course. But- Yeah, she was always, I mean, my mom, my mom just loves me and I've always been the odd one out. I've always been a little bit different than everyone else in my family and had different dreams and goals and desires and interests and passions. And Mm -hmm. I'm such a seeker. I've always been a seeker, always asking questions, always wanting to know why and then go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, And she knew that it was important to me to explore that side of myself. And she also knew that as much as I am like her I'm very much like her, the whole nurture versus nature thing, there are qualities to my character that aren't aren't like anyone else in my family, and meeting Nancy, my biological mother, yeah. put all of the pieces of the puzzle together in in many ways for the spirituality and yoga and meditation. I was going to ask that. you. I mean, it's
1: yeah, it's what her. Was similar.
0: It's she's a hippie witch. She is. She she's is a, a
1: hippie like, witch.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Tell me about your mother. About Carrie. Carrie. Oh,
0: yeah. uh, Carrie. She's she is truly the kindest most honest individual that I know. Even through like the, you know, most turbulent times of my youth and my teen years, I never once doubted her love for me or her support of me. She was obsessed with sports, met my father when she was in her twenties, who was a professional softball player. Uh-huh. They fell in love. They had tried to have kids for years because she just desperately wanted to be a mother. Yes. She couldn't, so she so she applied for adoption and just, and, you know, something that is just, I I, I look at her and I just, I don't share this in her. And I, and I wish that I had this quality for character. Like mm-hmm. she just didn't, she just so desperately wanted to be a mother and she didn't care where they came from. She didn't care what race, what gender, right. what age, whatever. Um, and yeah, long story short, they, they got me. With less than twenty-four hours' notice.
1: Holy shit!
0: Yeah. Long story short, the social worker called her on a Friday evening and said, "We have a little boy. Can you come get him tomorrow?" And she said yes and came and got me at the mall the next day. I was just reading my my, yes, girl. I was just reading my my adoption papers actually. Tell Um, me, wait, you have your adoption papers? Yeah, right here, and it (gasps) says right here, Centennial Centennial Mall is where they came to get me. Where is that? In Edmonton, Alberta, but I guess it's where the social worker's office was Jeffrey. at the mall. So my parents, my parents got me at the mall and they didn't get a receipt. But so they doesn't that
1: sort of track? Yeah, like- it does. <laughs>
0: yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> Can we shift gears to story time?
0: Absolutely.
1: So tell me, tell me the story. I know what takes place when you're modeling in New York.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Jeffrey, tell me everything.
0: This is the time that I dressed to impress in New York City and ended up doing the exact opposite.
1: We'll be back with Jeffrey right after this.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Int Mobile. Oh, my gosh. Well, see, the reason why this story sticks out to me is because, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of my teen years doing things I shouldn't have. I did I spent a lot of my teen years kind of trying to numb out and partying and drinking and smoking a ton of weed and doing mushrooms and experimenting with acid and, like, all of those things. Um, and got away with it for the most part. But when I started m- modeling... Um, and and left home and started doing it like as a as a full time career. I very much put that side of myself on the back burner. I was mm. so focused and dedicated and driven that I just knew that I, I couldn't waste time being hungover. I couldn't waste time acting a fool acting a fool in a club. So uh, my family started to come visit me, um, you know, at different points. My mom had come to visit me and my dad had come to visit me. And then my older sister, Aurora, and uh, my chosen sister, a friend of mine named Jessica, who I've been friends with since we were 14, um, came along and they came to visit me in in Brooklyn. And I, I remember them arriving at my apartment um, in, a, in a taxi Coming up, showing them around the apartment, having some hummus and some vegetables, <laughs> little crudité plates, like yes. you know, just like some some noshes, um, and <laughs> and decided we were just going to take it take it easy that night. And um, they must have been tired, so we're just going to you know jump on the subway and go to Park Slope and and have have a like nice quiet dinner, then go home. Yes. Um, so we do that. Go to the go to the restaurant, and I just I remember eating really light. And I just remember eating really light because it was so hot. It was like one of those like thick heat, thick New, New York, York City days. Yes, yep. and so you know you don't really have much of an appetite for anything. No, and then you're on the um, subway
1: and it smells like old onions oh, and it's like it's you're yes. just it's just oppressive. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. totally so, takes me. So back. I remember being. Yeah, so I remember being out with him at the restaurant, and just eating really light and having a salad or something. So at this point, I really didn't have much in my stomach. I had the vegetables at home, the salad at the restaurant. I thought we'll go home, back to my place. We'll have some popcorn and some chocolate, and we'll just, like, watch a movie and chill. Right, right. While we're at dinner, um, an old friend of mine, one of my first childhood friends um, named Randy, who was from Alberta as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had moved to she had moved to L.A. about five years before. Mm -hmm. Um, She came from a very well to do family. Her family owned an oil company that my stepfather worked for. Wow. Wow. And so there's always kind of like this. This is as much as I felt like Randy's equal because we've been friends since we were kids. There was always like this like this seed of having to impress the family, like always having to be my best and impress the family. Um, To impress Randy's family. Yes, correct. So she was visiting um, New York and she messaged and said, hey, I'm here with my new boyfriend, David, who's also super well-to-do and owns like six hotels in Los Angeles. And so I was like, okay, you know, I don't go out anymore. I can do such like a fuddy-duddy when it comes to like finding fun. Like I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin looking in New York at this time. This is an opportunity. I want to show my sister and Jessica a good time. They go out way more than I do. My sister's kind of a partier in that sense. I was uh-huh. like, you know, this this is the chance. It's not ideal because you guys just got here. You're tired. It's so hot out. We're not ready. We didn't eat, but like now or never. So we ran, we jumped on the subway, went back to my house, changed really quickly, jetted into the city on the subway to chelsea to this club called one oak and you know i remember just my sister and jessica just being so in awe of the environment i mean it was like this like super bougie club lying around the block we didn't have to wait we just walked right in well, we're ushered get, by the concierge well, because David and Randy had a VIP had a table. Oh, they had God. a table and so, so we just, you know arrived and dropped their names and they ushered us to the back to their table, um, where I got to meet everyone for the first time and uh, you know, David and, and his friends and introduced my sister and so I just remember being so focused on like having a good time and like I'm here, I'm committing to this, I'm going to like just go all in and um, you know, and just like I'm be the life of the party. So I started drinking really quickly um, in large quantities and um, it was, you know, it was so hot. I remember wearing this, like, black button-up um, long-sleeve shirt all the way up to my collar. I was wearing this, like, you know, this bucket hat, like, looking so cute and you looking were such like this little, a little model, like, weren't you? I know, this little fashionista yeah, in New York yeah. City, but it was, like, totally inappropriate because it was so hot. It was, like, a sweltering August, you know, evening in New York City. Um, so... I I meet I we see Randy we meet David and then they introduce me to um, their friend uh, I believe his name was Brent and he was so beautiful and he was a former model turned photographer and he was around my age and uh-huh. it was the first time that I'd met that I'd met someone who. I was physically attracted to that I had a lot in common with because he had modeled for years, who had broken away from it and was doing something other than modeling, was doing something really creative as a photographer. He was really good. That's cool. You know, it was just all of those things. He kind of just represented like the ideal to me.
1: What did Brent look like?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, just think, <laughs> think of like, so like, like, uh, like an Abercrombie and Fitch meets like Hugo Boss model, just like chiseled jaw, six foot two, oh, wow. um, dirt, dirty blonde hair, um, you know, stubble on his face, um, you know, not super muscly, but just like, you know, just like in toned shape, just yes. like a really beautiful human being with these big soulful eyes and a really beautiful smile.
1: Look, I'm turned on for this guy. I'm, I, I want Brent.
0: Yeah. So I very much remembering, like, abandoning, uh, like, meeting Brent and, like, having this connection with him and seeing that he was intrigued by me. I didn't know if he was attracted to me or if he just wanted to, you know, be friends, whatever, but he was, like, drawn to me. So I remember very do much, it. like, aban- abandoning my sister and, and Jessica and <laughs> being like, y'all have fun, like, stay at the table, like, drink, make friends, kiki, do, dance, do your thing. Brent and I stepped right outside, near the table, into this open air air space, yeah. um, but outside where it was not air conditioned, and we were leaning up against a wall, and we both smoked cigarettes at that time.
3: Oh God! I don't know if he still does,
0: but I know. But I smoked. I was I was uh, like a cliche model. I For smoked lunch. cigs. I, I smoked a lot of them. Oh God! Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, girl. They were everything. Awful. Um. So I remember like standing outside for about, I don't know, half an hour with him leaning up against the wall, kind of inching closer and closer together as we are talking and sharing our life stories. And, you know, I'm just like pounding back the vodka and cranberry at that point. Oh, right, because
1: you had a table, so it was all free.
0: Exactly. Oh, so, what were you drinking? Yes, yeah, so there's just like, there's bottles of Belvedere oh, sh- and like, and Don Julio and just like anything at your, at your disposal. It was right there. Just like literally at arm's reach. So I'm like, you know, like as I'm standing there talking, I could just reach inside to the table and grab whatever. And of course and you're going to like drinks.
1: drink it because like you need to do something with your hand. I mean, you're one Correct. hand smoking, one hand drinking, like you just need to keep busy. Correct. I know. I'm the same And way. it was, I was
0: so hot. Yeah. It was so hot outside. Yeah, yeah. And I was wearing that long sleeve button up <laughs> black shirt all the way up to my neck. So I was hot. I was just trying to stay <laughs> hydrated, girl. <laughs> So I can say I'm pretty composed when it comes to... (laughs) <laughs> to being, to drinking. Like, you know, not, not a lot of people really know when I've had one too many. Right. Um, so I think? thought it was really holding my, yeah, so I thought I thought I was really holding my shit together and doing a great job. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, as, as Brent and I are just, you know, as the evening's going on and we're getting closer and closer physically and emotionally yeah. to each other, yes. um, all of a sudden the world starts to spin around me and it just wouldn't stop. And you know what that's like when you get like the bed spinners oh, or horrible. whatever it is. Like once it's like being motion sick, once it starts, it's really hard for it to stop. So I excuse myself for a moment and say, you know, just pardon me, I'll be right back. I need to go to the restroom. Stumble inside. make it a couple of steps before I realize there's nowhere for me to go I don't even know where the restroom is the music is pumping my body is so hot I'm profusely sweating it's just like it was a mess all of a sudden and I look over and I see Jessica and uh, Aurora my sister dancing and smiling at me and kind of like quizzically looking at me like what's going on where were you and I yeah, I put my hand up in the air like just just wait just Leave. wait and I, yes. reach, I reach over to the table and grab a carafe like a glass carafe of cranberry juice and projectile vomit into it in front of everyone yeah in front of everyone brent brent included in the middle of the the club at vip yes meeting meeting randy's partner for the first time meeting brent for the first time in front of everyone um so my sister's my sister grabs me and you know just kind of like guides me down to sit on the bench at the table where i continue to you know to vomit for the next few minutes and I fell asleep. I fell asleep at the table, passed out Stop at the table it. in the middle of the club as like, you know, like, uh, like, like ludicrous is like pumping in the background. Some like some like cheesy r like the least likely pace for somebody to fall asleep in public. I, I did it passed out right in the middle of 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 one oak. <laughs> The the next thing I know, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't truly, I don't even remember the, 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 the rest of the evening in, in the sense that I don't, I remember waking up and everybody was gone. My sister and Jessica were still there, but everyone else was gone. So we, so we, they take me home in a taxi and I remember, you know. It being like a struggle to to get home because we were all had to go all the way back to Brooklyn and they didn't know their way around New York. They hadn't been. And, um, where,
1: where are we, Jeffrey? Where do you live?
0: Exactly. It was before Uber. It was before, you know, no. like we just like type in the address and oh. go. So it was like, it was, it was a struggle getting back there. So we got back to my apartment. Oh, and I remember at that time I only had one, it was a big one bedroom apartment, but I only had one air conditioning unit oh, and it was God. in my bedroom. In, in the window? So I went... The window, so I went into my bedroom, passed out while Aurora and Jessica were like left in the sweltering heat of the living room. um, after taking care of me all night, to like pass out in a pool of their own sweat. Um, (laughs) I felt really, really bad at the end of the night. I felt bad that my sisters had to take care of me and that you you know, embarrassed. I felt terrible, but then you know, cut to two days later when my older sister Aurora had a disaster of an evening herself. We went to this this um I think it was called Lips. It was a drag queen dude
1: lips was the dra- lips was yes, a drag, drag queen, queen dinner restaurant. Show.
0: Yeah, yeah, the dinner show. So we we went we went there for dinner and my sister, you know, had a little bit too much fun dance partying with drag queens and essentially had one of those nights herself where she uh was, you know, belligerent in public and you know, I remember her sitting on like the curb on 43rd Street um and Seventh Avenue. Crying her eyes out because I made her leave the club earlier oh. than we should. Have. I don't remember, but she made a complete like fool of herself, and I was like, "This feels right. Yeah. This feels much. Yeah. This is much more in alignment yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. everything's right I again mean, in the world. Is, this is, is how things exactly. normally go. I'm you know, me you, being the caretaker,
1: Jeffrey. We've all <laughs> we've all been on the corner of Seventh and Forty Third. You know what I mean? Girl. Like we have Girl. all been. Girl. We have. Wait, mm-hmm. did you ever see Brent again?
0: I or ended talk up to him? seeing him. You did? I did. I ended up seeing. Yeah, I ended up seeing him again, maybe four years ago, in the south of France at Randy and David's wedding. Shut um,
1: up! Randy and David got married.
0: They got married. They're still married. Yeah. Wait a second. And I don't.
1: Did you hook up with Brent?
0: No, I was in a relationship at the time. Damn it! But I remember. I don't even think I. I was too embarrassed to even. To even acknowledge it. But like, Jeffrey, I think I, you were a famous I,
1: actor. He. It was. It was this, this was on him <laughs> to try to impress you. <laughs> i think your mother's here is my mom here yes what is her what's her name carrie
0: carrie yeah carrie
1: i'm really excited to meet carrie is there anything Me i should too. know any rules she's of the engagement
0: be, she's the best person on the planet anything goes i just always encourage her to you're be free. herself she's she always gets really nervous having to do anything like this having okay. to be put on have the spotlight on her okay. but i just i just i just always remind her you're the best person on the planet just be yourself because that's all that's all we need
1: all right, Jeffrey, let's call your mother. Yay! Yay mm-hmm. Carrie! Hi, Mama!
3: Hi. You look so beautiful. Um, there,
1: you look so pretty.
3: Oh, no, you're always so nice, Jeffrey.
1: Hi, Carrie. Carrie, where are you coming to us from? And thank you for being here, by the way. Oh,
3: very, very welcome. Uh, Red Deer, Alberta.
1: Are you in the childhood home that Jeffrey grew up?
3: No. No, Jeffrey grew up in many childhood homes. This was not one of them.
1: What was Jeffrey like as a kid? Don't lie. You don't have to make him look good.
3: <laughs> well, he always looks good, but what? A-
1: <laughs> That's true.
3: Jeffrey, when he was little, he liked his mom and he liked his sister and was very curious and very smart, especially about math. Really,
0: Jeffrey? Was, past tense, okay. but thanks,
3: Mom. <laughs> well, we would go to the bakery and get a number, and he was only about three or four years old, and he knew when our number was coming up, the one before and the one after.
1: <laughs>
0: Jeffrey. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a prodigy. I mean, I don't know why I wasn't playing Duke, personally.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have had to do the show a few years prior. Oh! oh that's a ring. You say
0: old, way. Fun truth
1: though. So Jeffrey told a story today about a time he got super wasted with Aurora and his other friend Jess.
0: Jessica, Jessica, Jessica. Jessica Rowan. Jessica, mm-hmm. she's my other sister. She's very much like my my oh, children's sister. She's she's a joy. Yeah,
1: Jeffrey, can you give your mom just the logline of your story?
0: Yeah, I'm sure you remember, mom. It was when Aurora and Jessica came to visit in me New York. in New York. They came to my. <laughs> Yeah, they came to my apartment in Brooklyn. I took them out for dinner. We weren't planning on going out to a club that night, but then Randy messaged me and said, David and I are in town from Los Angeles. Come meet us at the club. And I wanted to show Aurora and Jessica a good time. And so I drank really a lot of alcohol very quickly. And, you know, I don't really drink. No, Partying don't. wasn't really a part of my life at that time. No. And got really, really drunk really quickly and vomited into the carafe of... Cranberry juice at the table and pass it at the table and Aurora and Jessica had to take care of me. I've told you that story obviously right.
3: That sounds charming.
0: You, you, you know that though I told that I told well, that you story, didn't tell yeah, that
3: part I mean you told the other part did you guys <laughs> go end up at, at a, a gay club or something.
0: No, that was a couple oh, of nights okay. later when Aurora okay. and when we, went, when we went to the, dra- the drag queen right, dinner right. dinner show dinner yeah. party. Yeah, and Aurora got really drunk and then was crying on the street. And I was like, "This feels more appropriate. This feels <laughs> right."
1: Wait, did Jeffrey ever come home really wasted when he was a teenager?
3: No, not I did. She just not didn't know that I it. know about. No,
1: were you strict with him
3: or not really? Not really. Jeffrey's like no, no,
1: no, no. Super. Legal. I had
3: to work full time. And when I came home, I just wanted to enjoy them. And so I picked my battles. So they probably got away with a little more than they should have. Mm
1: -hmm. Is that true, Jeffrey? Is there a time that you got away (laughs) with something?
0: Oh, I mean, so many times. My mom was so lenient, but it's like, but it was really our only point of reference was how she was raising us. And because we were with her the majority of the time and with my father every second weekend. Yes. Um, that, that was the only parenting that I, know, that I knew. But I saw like my cousins around me who had much stricter um, households. And I remember like one of my aunts specifically telling my mom again and again, like you're being way too lenient with these kids. You're letting them get away with too much. But we had this really trusting uh dynamic, and she just created a really safe space for us to be ourselves, which is really lent to our close connection now, because Uh I look at my cousins who were raised in really, really strict households, and they're not necessarily that close with their parents anymore, so.
1: I'm so curious about this, because I'm also from a single mom household, Carrie. Mm. Were you raised in a way where your mom um, almost treated you like an equal, as opposed to like a kid? Was it like a son, or was it like more of a buddy?
3: No, definitely like a son, but I always wanted to be kind of friends with him too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's a single mom thing,
3: by the way. <laughs> I feel like it might be. Like I said, I, you know, not being able to see them for long periods of time during the day, when I got home, I just wanted to enjoy them and and pick my battles. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And And I agree, Jeffrey, there were a lot of people in my family that said that I was too lenient. I was too patient. I and I just thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And look, <laughs> look at how you grew up to be. Yeah. Huh. I'm not so bad. Huh? I'm yeah. Not so bad. I'll give you an a plus on that one.
1: What do you think is the best advice, Jeffrey, that your mom has given you?
3: I think I probably told Jeffrey a few different times when things weren't going well for him. And you needed to figure things out to go with the flow. And not that it was mm-hmm. a cop out or anything, but sometimes you just have to uh, take a look at what's around you and, and realize once again which which is the battle that you need to fight and which is the one you don't need to fight.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. shit.
0: Mm-hmm. I got to so Surrender. Yeah. I got hurt. No, it's surrender. great. I got hurt. I got her handwriting tattooed on my wrist oh, when I was up. when I was living in when I was living in South Africa when I was twenty five. Wait a second, because it was an, it was another one of those instances where I was like in the thick of it and I was modeling again and kind of just like things were life was hard. You know, it's not the easiest industry to be in mentally, um, and so just to have that constant reminder of like just surrender, just
3: you go know how many fall. times I practiced my handwriting before I sent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that your mother's handwriting for surrender is on your wrist. You pick different
3: letters from different. Yeah. From different <laughs> versions, she sent, she
0: sent. like six versions, and I was like, "I like that, I ass, like that, A, D, that D. And yeah, D, exactly, yeah. I like D, yeah,
3: yeah."
1: What about you, Jeffrey? What's to... the best advice? Yeah, what's the best advice, or or the worst advice? Could you could be either?
3: Oh, I can think of some worst. I don't ones. think there's any. What,
0: what? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say, Mom.
3: And I don't know why I said it. Probably because it was told to me many times growing up, like "cowboy up" or. <clears throat> yeah yeah what does that That's mean a,
0: see i know i knew that you were gonna say that Nikki. it's like an albertan like texan saying like man up man essentially up. like stop being a, a pussy stop being a bitch man yeah. up um and that was that that was something that like advice that it was in my, my family childhood. not just not for my in mom. my
3: family all the time if something cowboy mm-hmm. up yeah mm-hmm. and thinking about it now it was to me it was just awful way of telling somebody that your feelings don't matter. And mm-hmm. I I if I I I regret if I've ever said that to anybody because it should not be said to mm.
1: something um Joan Rivers used to say and Melissa Rivers was on the podcast that and talked about this is walk through the open doors.
3: Oof.
0: Go where the love is is a piece of advice that I that Denai Guerrero actually said that and Who it, it that? meant so much to me. Denai Guerrero, do you remember? She's from she played um, Michonne on the on the Walking Dead. She's an extraordinary actor. Okay, um, but it's I think it goes back to like being othered, being marginalized, being being a black woman in her case, being yes. a black queer man in my case of like constantly trying to prove yourself and make people approve of you and and make you be then you know, just just being a, the ultimate people pleaser. Um, and i think that that Lifelong can really struggle. yeah that can really like be you know be to, our be to our detriment and just going where the love already is which falls in line with going with the flow it's, yeah it's, it's good advice
1: well i love to ask this at the end of every episode what do you two love most about each other and i can see there's so much love i mean honestly i i, I feel it yeah. truly
0: you're gonna make me cry nikki
3: i know I everybody I cries
1: at this i i didn't ex- i didn't intend for that but that is what sort of happens
3: can I go first?
1: Yeah, of yeah. course. You're the mom.
3: <laughs> that just means I'm older. Um,
1: <laughs> or just more important. Go
3: ahead. <laughs> I, 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 what do I love the most about Jeffrey? Um, I, I think his undying dedication and loyalty to the people that he loves. He never mm. wavers from that. And the same token, he has no time for negativity. So those people aren't part of his life. And and I admire him so much that, that he can separate the two and not have that mm-hmm. negativity in his life. And I just admire the, the man that he has become. And I just couldn't ask for a better son or a better person in my life because he certainly encourages me all the time.
0: Thanks, Mama. That's really incredibly kind of you. Um, I mean, what I love most about... I'm going to put this in two parts. What I love most about my mother and what I love most about us. What I love most about my mother is her, um, uh, her... unending capacity to love mm. people she has such an open heart and is and really gives people the benefit of the doubt mm. um, so often i think that so often what you look at as naivete is just you being open-hearted um, mm. she, you're one of the most honest people i've ever met in my entire life you cannot tell a lie to save your life um, oh, you're cool. one of the most not yeah yeah um, you're one of the most non-judgmental people i've ever met in my entire life um, and you, I think the combination of those two qualities of your character created a foundation of, a, of, a, of safety for me to, um, to be who I am. Uh, although you may have been given all the reasons in the world to, um, to try to make me something that I'm not based on other people's opinions, you, you never did. Um, you're, I've never doubted your love or your support oh for God. me, um, even at times where you probably should have doubted me. <laughs> Um, and what I love most about us is that I've been to several mediums and psychics who independently of one another have told me that my mother and I have been in, um, uh, lived many lives together and our souls continue really? to travel together in each incarnation. Yeah. And I, and I know it to be true. I 100% I know it to be true.
1: I have chills actually right now. I really have chills. Hmm. Hmm. Ooh, Carrie, I'm really happy that you came all the way from the Texas of the North. <laughs> <laughs> all the way from Canada. It's really cool.
3: Well, I'm glad that you invited me. I'm glad technology allowed me to figure this out. So thank you. You did a great job,
0: Mom. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on here, Mama. I love you so much. This was so special. I
3: love you too, pal. Thanks, Mama.
1: Guys, we got so into this, we forgot to have everybody say the tagline at the end of the episode. So it's just me. If it's not one thing. It's you! Thank you for listening, my friends. Like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love to love you. We love to hear from you. We are codependent. We need your adoration. We need it right now. Follow us on the socials at Don't Tell My Mother and at Nikki Levy. We will see you next Tuesday. Mwah. Don't Tell My Mother is created, hosted, and executive produced by Nikki Levy, my daughter. The show is executive produced by John Cryer. Oh, my God, I love him. And Lisa Joyner and Jody Zuckerman Weiner at Discount Sushi. Our producer is Liza Glukoff. Co producer, Andrew Condon. Mixed and edited by Donovan Bullen. Theme song by Donovan Bullen and Joe McKenzie. Distributed by ACast. Now go
3: call your mothers.